0: Holy and gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the stories of the disciples, especially the story of Peter. Help us during this Lenten journey find ourselves in the midst of a story of his life, his ups and his downs, his twists and turns, that you might speak to us and we might find your love for us um, no matter where we are on our journey. Pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. Uh, So this is a little tangential, but um, do you ever ever have like a dream that like is relatively recurring throughout your childhood, so vivid that you really like kind of remember that dream? Uh, Well, mine's both kind of a, a joyful one and kind of a, well, for me, it's a scary one. And it's when I can fly. I, I don't know what it was. It's like I can fly. I always, like, I turn into, like, this superhero and, like, I can like, fly around the city. It's just like you're, like, this moment of ecstasy where you get to fly around the city. But there, at some point in this dream, it's like, no matter what, it always turns into this other piece. So it's like, I don't know if it's, like, right when I'm about to save someone or right when I, you know, just want to show off that I can just, like, take off and fly. All of a sudden, I get there and I don't know what I do with the superhero mode. Like, and then I, I just can't, right? Like, I just can't fly. I can't do it. it? Like, and just no matter how hard I try, like, I jump off. I, I try to do it. I, like, I, and I know that I can do it. It's just like something in me just won't let me to fly like I was doing before in the dream. And perhaps that's maybe an insight as to what I'm reading from the scripture today. But it, I, I, it's this dream that you can, no matter how hard I try, I can't muster something that I know I can do. No matter how hard I try, I can't muster something I know I can do. And I think that there's many ways to read this scripture. And one of the ways is for us to read it like uh, what what would Jesus do, right? Like so this scripture being Peter walks out on the water and Jesus tells us throughout his ministry that we're going to do these great things and Peter does it. But at, at some point he like gets there and he's doing it. And then he just, no matter how hard he tries, he just can't do it. Anymore, right? And then we too ourselves think about the things that Jesus calls us to. And and you know, no matter how hard you pray, no matter how hard you do, just something about it doesn't switch. You know, like you can't walk on the water no matter how hard you try. You can't change your life's situations no matter how hard you try. And there's this kind of embedded kind of feeling that you fail. And that's one way, I think, that we read this text, that, like, Peter, this beloved disciple, fails. Like, he steps out on the water, and then all of a sudden, when fear and doubt kick in, he's no longer good at what he's doing. Well, last week, we kind of talked about how failure and how uh, we ourselves, uh, in our midst of our failure, are called to lead God's church, called to follow Jesus, like Peter, Like Peter says, just come and follow, or not Peter, Jesus says, come and follow me. And we can be just, you know, ordinary people, just regular fishermen or fisherwomen, and we just follow God's call. And it's not always this bing booming voice, but it's just like the doors that open in front of us. Well, today we're at a little bit different place where we recognize, well, what does that mean to follow Jesus, even in sort of the hard Places and the hard times of our lives. Uh, One of the things that I found was super fascinating as I was reading this text, I I read it a little bit differently this week, and I've been reading Peter differently since uh, we've been starting this series. And um, one of the things that it kind of like highlights is to later on in the story of Matthew, there's this scene when Jesus is with the disciples and um, Jesus tells the disciples, one of you is gonna betray me. That's right as we get closer to the crucifixion scene in the last uh, Holy Week together. And immediately after that moment, all of a sudden the disciples start talking about who's the greatest amongst them. And it seems weird, like, why do disciples, like, jockeying about who's the best disciple? But I like to humanize this for a moment and just think about it like, you know, what would normally happen if someone you really like, your teacher stands, I mean, like, coach, teachers, like, you know, this person, a coach, let's do coach, this person is going to be one that fails for us at the team, right? And then all of a sudden, the team starts talking about, well it's not going to be me because I'm a forward and it's really the goalie, right, that is the so, uh, that because the goalie let it in and I was like, oh no, but it's not the goalie, it's the defense and then, you know, like you can all of a sudden start seeing this happen with the disciples and you can just unfold where, you know, Peter might say, well, you know, I'm the one who walked on water, and then Matthew chimes in, and he's like, yeah, but you also sank in the water, Peter, right? Like, And then they just kind of start going on this banter about who's the one, not necessarily that's the greatest, but just who's the one that trusts Jesus more, like, enough to not deny him and betray him. And it's this really human moment where they're trying to, like, jockey themselves to prove their love of Jesus, that they would never do that such a thing to Jesus. And, you know, it's in that sort of desire to prove themselves that Jesus directs them. And what does he say? Does anyone know the story? He says, you know, greatest amongst you, friends, by the way, is the least of you. And then he goes, the last shall be first in the kingdom of God. And so you want to, like, argue about who's the best cool, but it doesn't really matter because, really, whoever's the lowest is going to be the greatest. And ultimately, it's just about loving one another and loving those around you and loving me with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That, that's it. And, you know, going back to that dream that I had, you want to know the thing that there's sometimes when I'm able to fly again? You want to know what happens? I stop thinking about trying to fly. Yeah? anyone a Matrix fan? Did anyone watch the Matrix series? Yeah? Yeah? Like, there is no spoon. It's like this philosophical, like, you know, thriller show where this, like, guy, Neo, he can do things that other people can He's going to be the chosen one. And they all tell him and believe that you're going to be the guy that's going to save everyone. But he doesn't really understand what that looks like. And in this world that he lives in, he can like, you know, he can bend spoons and you can fly, you can do all those things. And the first test that they give you is you get stuck up on two skyscrapers and it's jumping from one to the other. You gotta jump from one to the other skyscrapers, right? And you know, he is there and he knows that he can do it because he's told that he's gonna be the chosen one. And and everyone says, You can do it. And then someone ahead of him goes and jumps and does it. It's like they can just free their mind, as they like to say. And so he's sitting up there and he he's using this phrase because he had saw this kid bend a spoon. And the trick that the kid talked him was like, There is no spoon. And so he's saying there, There is no spoon, there is no spoon, there is no spoon. And he runs and he jumps. And what does he do? Falls flat on his face. Falls flat on his face. All the way down. There is no spoon. There is no spoon. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can that, right? That children's book that uh, we read to our kids. Well, some of us still I remember reading it when I was a kid, and it's still like kind of like breaking, but it's readable. But That's what we think. Our faith is like, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. There is no spoon. There is no spoon. I can fly. I can fly. I'm, 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 I'm. And the whole time, Jesus is just there coming to us. And so when I read this story, when I read this story, for the, and for the first time ever, you know what I realized about this story? They're out there in the boat. It's, it's stormy. Jesus comes to them. They're afraid of the figure. Yeah, we can go down that rabbit hole, but like the, the, the ghost, but like he talks, and they clearly recognize his voice enough for Peter to say, Lord, if it's you. But you want to know what out of this whole story that I realized? Peter, Jesus never asks Peter to get out of the boat. Right? He uses this Greek word take heart. Uses this Greek word says take heart. And that's translated kind of like, be brave. Be brave. Do not be afraid. And Jesus, you know, adds that later, do not be afraid. So he uses this Greek word take heart, which is essentially saying, be courageous and don't be afraid. And so Peter gets up and he's like, Okay, I'm I'll prove it to you, I'm not afraid. And he gets out of the boat to show Jesus. He's not afraid. Jesus never asked him to. In fact, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, then you tell me to come out because I'll follow whatever you tell me to do because I'm a great disciple. I can do it. And then he starts walking out. And what happens immediately? He starts sinking. He starts doubting the second he starts, oh my gosh, I can, I think I can, but I can't, right? And he starts sinking. And then Jesus has to rescue him. And I wonder for us how many times that we have found ourselves in a situation where we think, we think you can, and all of a sudden you hit this brick wall that you can't anymore. No matter how hard you try to make your life better, you try to get your dang knee repaired, because you know, like you do all the things, you try to do all of it. It's just, you just can't do it anymore. I think I can, I think I can. But it's just not working. Our faith, friends, is not about thinking you can and it changing the course of your actions. Not about changing the world around you because we thought we could do it, we could prove to God. Instead, what we find here at the end is the whole point, I think, of this is that Jesus is coming to us and Jesus saves us from the stormy seas, no matter what. And that doesn't mean our life circumstance is always going to change. But what it means is, is that Jesus is coming to be with us in the midst of the storm. And there's something about the comfort of the God of the universe being with us that ought to remind us to take heart. Because no matter what comes our way, no matter if we flip over the boat and perhaps don't make it, we're with the love of God there. And that the, the veil of death or injury or of you know financial collapse or whatever it is that we're like pushing against to think our way through, to pray our way through, well, that's not what's important. What's important is God's coming to be with you. Walk in on the water to be Be on your side on that stormy sea. I I like to see this image not about this trial of faith of the disciples, but instead like Jesus being like, oh man, my buddies, they must be really tired after having to deal with these crowds all day. They just fed 5,000 people, mind you, out of a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. And then so he's like, ah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of them, guys. You go off. You're tired. You go off. And then Jesus himself was tired and then goes up on the mountain. And then also he's like, oh, shoot. It's a storm outside and they're out there. Like, I need to go help them right? Like the story changes a little bit because now it's like the disciples might have fallen asleep and then the wind came and then the like the rope got loose and now they're out in the middle of the ocean. And then then Jesus is like, shoot, my friends. And then Jesus starts coming out to help them. And then all of a sudden they make it about, you know, who who can walk on water and prove to Jesus that we're great. And the whole time Jesus was coming out there just to help them. And the minute he gets the boat, what happens? Storm settles. That God was coming to save us in the midst of our plight. And we're over there jockeying to prove our worth to God. And if you follow the story of Peter, we're going to follow the story of Peter. Peter's the rock of the church, the start of all of this, the foundation. And yet, what we realize is that he is far from perfect. And instead, he's the one that needs to be saved in this whole story. He's the foolish guy that got out of the boat. The rest of the disciples were smart enough to stay in the boat. Come on, it's a storm. You're a fisherman. What are you doing? Because we don't need to prove our worth to God. But God is coming to us. So faith is not about showing God that we can fly or that there is no spoon or whatever it is. It's freeing ourselves to allow God to be with us. And that as we let the comfort and the love of God sink in, we start to realize that although the boat may shake, although the winds may come, although tragedy is going to happen, although pain is going to be an experience that we have, we need not be afraid of it, although we might be scared. We can trust that God is with us. And that the love of God will never leave us. And during this time of Lent, when we're trying to do these disciplines, and I know all of us have stuck true to exactly what we said the whole time, right? The whole point is to recognize that God's love is there with us. And in that recognition, that gives us this assurance like the song we sang, Lord, abide with me, that God does in fact abide with us. And somehow it's that abiding with us and recognizing that I'm not the one to save this situation, but Jesus is here with me. And you can have this peace that the creator of the universe is here. It might not change the plight of your circumstances, but the creator of the universe is there. And neither heights nor depths, nor angels, nor demons, this is circa the Apostle Paul, nor anything in all of creation, not even the things that keep you up at night with like fear and anxiety. None of that will separate you from the love of God. Because we're out there on that stormy sea, and Jesus walks out to us to bring us the peace and the love the rescue that comes from God when we're in danger. So I make that our prayer, that we might find the love of God this week and might rest in that and knowing that we need not prove anything, but we simply can be and to be in God's embrace. I invite you to pray with me. Gracious God, we all have areas in our lives that we have prayed countless times for to change. And yet, you tell us if we have faith like a mustard seed, we can move mountains. And it makes us feel as if our faith is not as strong as it could, that you're distant. The psalmists write, Where, oh God, are you when I cry? Because our plight is just so difficult. Life's just not changing. And over and over again we find ourselves trying to, you know, get out of the boat and start walking to you. When in reality, you're coming to be with us already. Telling us, take heart. Don't be afraid. Be strong. Be courageous. Because no matter what is happening, I am coming to you. And in fact, I am with you. So this week, help us rest in that together as a community that you're with us. And though the storms, they'll come, certainly, we can take heart. Amen.